Welcome to the Lojo Show. It's all right. I'll get better at it. Should I just say it? There is no monopoly on good ideas when it comes to cybersecurity. Welcome to the Lojo Show. I'm your host, Lovitcher Jones. I have over 20 years of experience in cybersecurity, and I am excited to bring some of my experience to you. I'm here with my producer, Jonathan Logan. Jonathan, thank you. Hi. Thank you for producing this show and uh, doing all the things that we just don't know how to do <laughs> so that I can talk about the things that I do know how to do. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Darkseid, the hacker group. These hacker groups are it's really, it's really tricky because they come, they go, they reincarnate, they come back. We go, is it really them or is it not them? It's a, it's a, uh, it's a variant. It's a, it's a, it's, yeah, we have a variant, uh, you know, of these groups. And, you know, I think like any group, you, you may have some that say, hey, yeah, that they were part of Darkseid or they were part of Black Matter or something at one point. And they were like, wait a minute, maybe one of the guys or one of the ladies that were there decided to splinter off and now they do their own thing, right? Or in some cases, because we don't have very good insight into what group is what and what actually comprises uh, these groups that, uh, you know, that claim that they've done this, right, or that they claim a responsibility for it, we don't have a whole lot of insight into them. I mean, that's just the, that's just the borderline truth, right? It's not even borderline. That is just the straight truth, is that if you ask who did this, who's part of that group, right, what is it really? There's a mixture there. And again, it's because our world is mixed up in terms of what's an individual hacker versus what's a state-sponsored um, ransomware or malware group or so from there that's using these tools or is it just a group that really just wants to make money right these are things that when you ask about it from an intelligence standpoint or you you really ask the straight question on that that they you don't get a straight answer but you do know this the good thing about electronic attacks like this is that it's electronic and it's software right so there's a true and false that's in there so there are ways to stop that. There are ways to counter that, right? And so whether it is one group or another uh, at times, it doesn't really matter if it's one group or another. The thing that does matter is that if you are in these situations, it's better to go ahead and move out, report on these situations, and perhaps even get the help that you need from our federal government, as well as a number of different resources that have been set up within our country in order to help and make us more resilient, including the organizations in it, uh, as well as to recover, and then also to learn more from the methods that they're using so that we can apply those in our tools, in our software, and means of countering these things. So what's interesting to note is um, Darkseid is the group that hit the colonial pipeline, right? And then mm -hmm. it kind of went underground after that because there was a lot of heat that came onto them. And then Black Matter is the new ransomware gang in town, right? Like they're the new kids on the block, but everything that they do and everything that they say is pretty reminiscent of Darkseid. And one of the first attacks that they do is they go after um, the Iowa Farmers Cooperative and demand almost the exact same amount in ransom. And it's like, well, okay, that's, that's kind of interesting. So like, what, what do you think, why do you think that they always go after critical infrastructure, like food and the colonial pipeline? Critical infrastructure, that means there's value to everyone when it comes to critical infrastructure, right? 
Um, if you are a private organization that is running a piece of our critical infrastructure, right? And this is, you know, let's say, you know, power and utilities, right? Oil and gas, it's there. Light, water, those types of things, right? Uh, critical infrastructure items brings on panic. It brings on rush. Therefore, the more of a risk and the more of the impact that you see can happen as far as for uh, targeting an organization like that or a company like that, the more likely is that you probably would pay. Colonial did pay, yeah, but we have the means as a, as a, as a, as a country to seize the payment, pull the payment Apparently, back, yeah, right, and, and put it back. So, I mean, we have the means, but the folks that were in there had the right idea if from a malicious perspective of let's attack something that's so sensitive that it can control the entire U.S. just by changing the gas prices, mm. right? Yeah. The threat of increasing gas prices by $1.25 or $2, right, is so hard for a company to think of or to fathom in that case and with the repercussions of that, that they were willing to go ahead and pay a $5.9 million ransom. Let's look at this again. Remember I said that ransomware is a very non-complex attack, right? It is not complicated. It is not complicated to distribute malware. It is complicated, though, for companies to really think about the value of what they do in terms of, look, you're going to need to spend an additional two and a half to three million dollars to employ enterprise wide malware, um, let's say malware protection, monitoring and people skill sets that can really identify these types of things as they propagate or before they happen uh, in that getting the right talent in place. And so this is where from an industry that we have a hard time, and this is where us as security folks and uh, practitioners in the area have not been great at. And that is really being able to put this in a picture of business value, right? Critical infrastructure value, possible loss of life, possible loss of operations and stuff. Being able to put it into terms that the folks that have the wallets within the organization uh, can make a good decision. That's a complex thing. And so these are some of the things that uh, we have to get better at as security, you know, as security practitioners, as well as uh, organizations being able to realize that this is an effect that can happen. Because really, unfortunately, when these types of things happen, whole C-suites can be dismissed because that is the first place that they'll turn to say, you know what, they didn't do their job correctly. They weren't protecting the organization they should have in that case. We're going to make big changes in the company and it's going to start at the top. That's why I like being a grunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is the knee-jerk reaction. I don't think it's the right reaction, but that's a knee-jerk reaction. And here's why I don't think it's always the right reaction. Typically, if somebody has already burned their hand, they're not going to do the same thing twice. Okay. So in some cases, you take the learning experience. Anybody that's a good, solid CISO has had both success and failures and has learned a lot more from those failures so that it's made them more successful as they continue to grow in that position. Same thing with CIOs, same thing with anybody who's ever coded before, and same thing with anybody who's good at building anything. There have been mistakes made, they've learned from those mistakes, and now they can apply what they know in order to prevent those in the future. So that knee-jerk reaction, while it may look good uh, to the balance sheet, man, while it may look good 
to the stockholders, investors, it is a horrible positioning to go, especially if someone has been there for a while to just go, you know what, let's get rid of them and then bring somebody else in. No corporate knowledge. If you don't have corporate knowledge of your organization and stuff, guess what? You're even more susceptible in that time period. So learning opportunities, being able to allow for the organization to reach out and get help from external entities, these are key to be able to recover, be resilient in the future there, and also to put in and uh, put in the right security. Like with this, we talk about even after a, an event like this, having, let's say, a security posture review, right? Having an independent organization come in, do that security posture review, right? And I'm not saying just do a quick, you know, checklist or a quick PowerPoint, you know, for this type of security posture review. Truly check out your security posture. Have the organization undergo the right type of penetration test, the right type of phishing campaigns in that sense, right? Have the right interviews and stuff too that are going on about what is the organization good at and what are you not good at? And don't punish people for the fact that there's some things that are not quite in place and not working the way they are. Sometimes it is the things that you don't know that you don't know that once you do know these things, now you're gonna be that much more effective as an organization. So you're saying don't um, dismiss everybody after a ransomware attack because you want them to let them learn from their mistakes. Yeah, you've got to have a point where they need to learn from the mistakes that's there and also get better insight about their org. And so then you can begin to really close the gaps and close the holes in the organization. The knee-jerk reaction or the knee-jerk business reaction or um, sometimes we always hear the, you know, hear, the, hear the term that, hey, there's got to be somebody that's accountable for it. Yes, there's got to be somebody that's accountable for it, but that accountability means finding the people that are responsible for doing these areas or taking care of these areas, training them up on what they did wrong and then how to do that correctly, and then re-releasing that and then monitoring. Everyone is a target when it comes to ransomware. We hear about the high priority or the high um, you know, well-known media attacks and stuff that are out there. But each and every day, we have both small businesses, large businesses, individual people who are getting hit with ransomware. And this becomes really critical because, one, it, it affects really just uh, uh, the, the amount of things that you can do online, the amount of things as far as in your life that is online or on your computer, on your laptop, on a server that you don't even know exists uh, at this point. And... Ransomware is one of just one of the big areas that uh, is continuing to grow. And it's going to continue to grow uh, over time because of just the way that we live our lives, the um, really the uh, amount of information and collaboration that we do online even with our families, with our friends, and with companies. And it's going to continue to be prominent. So let's start just kind of with a basic here. Um, ransomware, just kind of in its, you know, just just down from a, you know, let's bring it down just a notch. Really, it's just another form of malware. You know, malware was a com was a component over the years. It's been, you know, problemsome. Like one of the things that was unique about malware at one point is that your antivirus didn't catch it. Uh, you now have anti-malware software, um, but now malware can go a step further, and that is in ransomware. And in this case, you know, when we look at who are really kind of the targets here, um, it's just a matter of opportunity. Basically, this is where attackers, or in some cases, even automated bots as, bots as well, are being used to look at things for instances of attackers who target things like universities. Uh, you could target uh, 
uh, companies and organizations that have smaller security teams and do not have the time to really go through all the information that you need in order to detect these uh, detect these types of attacks. Uh, there's also churches. We've worked with uh, large churches and stuff too in the past that have been attacked by, by ransomware. But the unique aspect of ransomware is just in the name, right? It's ransom. In this case, there are security keys and stuff that uh, are exchanged, basically, and that alerts the uh, the producer or the one that is controlling that ransomware that hey, we are, you know, we have you know, the information. We've been able to lock up information for that, and then our ransom comes out from there. So basically, if you look at this as far as in the steps, you got infection, you got a security key exchange, you got encryption, then there's the extortion, then there's the recovery. And so with that, it's just like a hunter in this case, right? Can we infect? Can we get into the area that we know that we uh, would like to uh, obtain important information from either an individual or an organization? Can we then, uh, can we then uh, one, attack that organization using our form of malware in that case? And then from there, also be able to use really a security key in exchange to lock that, we want to then encrypt all those files and all that data and information that's sitting either on that server or machine, or in some cases, even uh, someone's cloud instantiation. And then from there, notify the folks that we have their information and that they're not going to be able to get to it unless they do something that we ask for, which is normally payment. And then, you know, from there, if you decide to pay, you have the recovery for that, in which case the key is applied and they release that information. Or you could say, you know what, I'm not paying and you can go and see if you can get services to help you uh, actually uh, fix your problem there or actually recover your information. And sometimes even if you do pay, they don't even give you the key or they give you the wrong key. That is correct. That is correct. Sometimes if you do, if you do pay, they don't do anything, right? So it is a risk. It's a risk that's there and um, you know, not just a risk, it's something that we've been able to see time and time again that's been realized, right? Some organizations will say, you know what, I'm not going to pay, and they just go ahead and say, let's lose the information. But on the other hand, if you do pay, guess what? You're now identified as a target that would pay if your information is, uh, <laughs> is, is taken or seized. Now, we have a large, large example of this with the Colonial Pipeline. Now, I think there's two things that this shows. One is that a ransomware attack is, well, some say, oh, it's complicated and complex. They're actually usually done through very simple means. Phishing, right? Phishing emails. Um, these are emails that are sent. They're made to look like they are uh, really a safe email from a reputable source, like your own internal company, um, you know, company media or company compliance officer or even someone that's working with your company as a contractor or a subcontractor. So it's made to look like, well, that's something that, uh, that's there. And basically, users will click on it. And sometimes those users are very important users in your organization, and they click on that. And then that's where the disbursement and that's where the attack ends up starting, right? Where they have the you know, malware and stuff that's intertwined with that or they're able to obtain information that's necessary for them to get to administrative privileges or to get to important and sensitive company information that's going to be high value. Um, a lot of times it's very simple. It's not, a, it's not a hard, it's not the smartest man in the world sitting in a room with a bunch of computers and stuff powering them up and just coming at you. It's 
Uh, very simple. A lot of times it's folks that are sitting in different countries that we normally wouldn't even think would have the capability to do this, but they do, right? Doesn't mean that all of it's state-sponsored. Some of it's individual, some of it's state-sponsored, but it's really not a complex hack to do this. How do you mitigate and prevent or recover from ransomware attacks? Right. This is something that organizations have to think about very carefully, right? And that is what is the value of the information that has been stolen? That is also understanding well, what is the what are the trade-offs that we have? Is this information that we can just leave and don't worry about anymore, right? And just say, okay, whatever, you know what? You have that, you got it. Uh, let's leave it from there. Or is it so sensitive that you have both um, regulatory and compliance liabilities that's associated with it? as well as your company IP and or information that is so uh, detrimental that it can shut down your operations and stuff as an organization. So with that, I can tell you one of the hardest conversations to have as a consultant in this industry is being able to communicate or clearly communicate what are the risks that are associated with ransomware so that you can get the spending that's needed to get the funds that are needed to put in the right people first then solutions to do this. But there's some steps and stuff that you can follow in order to in order to follow this line, right? One is being able to really isolate, right? Um, you need to be able to isolate where and how far this type of attack has gone within the organization. What servers are associated with this, what files are associated with this, and then being able to understand what is the value of those files, right? What is the value of that information or data that's there? So that's also when you roll into things like your identification. So with isolation, we've figured out, hey, here's what the blast radius of this was within our organization, right? This is what was affected. Now it's, what is the identification of that data and information? Is it customer information and data, right? Is it your own internal information, employees or, um, IP engineering results or engineering you know patterns or whichever right solutions software code as well right what is the information that's there what's the identification of that then from there it's going into the involvement right involvement is when you figure out who you're gonna uh, what authorities you need to involve um, with your incident response what uh, departments or companies need to call in to help you fix this problem. Yep. So from an involvement standpoint, you have your internal cybersecurity team or internal security team. You also have interested parties as well that are there to help as uh, that they're there to help. So in some cases, yeah, the FBI is a party that has to be involved within this, right? If you are a company that is in um, government contracting or doing even any type of Department of Defense or U.S. Department of Defense work, you know, you have other organizations like the Defense Industrial Base and their actual reporting requirements and stuff from there, uh, including those that have partnerships and stuff too with other federal government agencies and stuff like DHS, like the Department of Homeland Security, right? These are all possible parties that need to be involved in these because in some cases they may already have some resources at hand that are aware of this type of uh, ransomware and then in some cases where they actually do have decryption keys and stuff too that they can use to uh, help you as an organization.
there are also times where organizations can uh, have managed security service providers and stuff too that help them recover from these things, but also take them through what are the reporting requirements. So an example is this, is that some of these could have up to 500, you know, let's say 500, uh, 500 people with personal identifiable, identifiable information that's there, in which case there's some reporting that has to happen as well within a time frame, 72 hours or 48 hours or, or one week of discovery that you were hit with ransomware. So getting them involved, <clears throat> being able to work through that plan and actually in your organization having someone that is charged with the responsibility of coordinating those responses is important. Jonathan, the remove part. What's the first part on the remove part there? Oh, you want to prevent further damage by removing the malware. Yep. Yep. So being able to prevent further damage by removing the malware is an important piece because here's the thing. If it's still left there and it's still propagating throughout your organization, guess what? You're still being victimized, right? Now there's a victim, now there's a victimization of you two, three, and four times or at will uh, that could cut that, that could follow that. The other part is understanding how it happened is an important piece, right? How did it happen? What really is kind of the um, base or root cause of this for your organization? Was it a phishing email, right? Was it media that was added to, you know, important stores or even plugged into as far as in a, <clears throat> in a laptop or in a tablet or anything of that sort that's allowed that ransomware to really get into your organization. These are things that you just can't leave and go, hey, it's done and I'm leaving. You do need to investigate. You do need to see where we need to put in proper capabilities. For instance, large organizations have turned to doing a lot of phishing campaigns in order to one, have an awareness for their organization about uh, uh, malware and about how these things can happen. But two, also beginning to measure how effective your organization is, you know, through exercises in order to see, you know, what is kind of the click rate uh, of their org on those types of emails so they can re-educate or in some cases actually enforce, um, uh, enforce standards uh, for their employees and their users so that they can continue to prevent that. And that keeps them ever vigilant in this area. The other part is, is that I know that we have a hankering for turning to technology in this case, and that is important, right? What can prevent this? What type of reporting, what type of um, uh, security monitoring and stuff too can do that, right? And then how are you alerting to these types of things too? So if you have malware or if you have uh, antivirus or um, let's say different patching programs and stuff too, and you also are scanning your organization's emails and stuff, being able to understand what are some of the signature-based type things that are out there as well as the intelligence-based type things out there, having different products in place to help you with that is important uh, as well as especially if your organization knows how to use them and they have proper training as far as on what are indicators of compromise or what are indicators that you are susceptible to this type of ransomware attack. And what was the last part, uh, Jonathan? Uh, recover is the final step in your response. Okay. All right, so recover. So recovering to get to regular business operations, right? Or to get back to just regular um, is, one of the, uh, uh, is one of the keys here. So there's gonna be an impact of, of a ransomware attack, right? The impact could be um, you know, loss of information. The impact could be that uh, you now may have other 
vulnerabilities as an organization that are now come to light too for uh, the attacker. And so being able to understand where and how you can continue to harden yourself or make your organization more resilient is going to be a key there. But more importantly, when you recover, getting back to business as usual um, is the key point there. But again, making sure that when you get back to that business as usual, you've now at least protected um, you protected the area that was uh, susceptible prior, right? The areas that were vulnerable prior and maybe try to anticipate what could happen next and or anticipate what are good, solid industry practices that are going to work for your specific organization and to scale those properly. And a lot of times that comes in the form of having a business discussion. So your security folks need to be able to have that business discussion so that it's understood through the organization on what's really the reality of can you be hit? How bad would it hurt us? How can we recover from it? And how do we continue to protect ourselves? An important thing to note with the recovery uh, stage and a response to an incident is it's a lot easier to recover if you have the proper mitigations in place, it, like from the beginning. So if you have like good proper backups, you have um, good security policies, it, recovering is going to be so much easier if you're properly prepared. And even no matter how much you are prepared, you can still get hit with ransomware. There is no perfect protection. But it is important to note that the better you are prepared, the easier it is for you to recover from something like this. Not a good point, Jonathan. Um, being able to segment your organization into the, the units, right? So that let's say one particular compromise in one part of your organization doesn't affect everything, right? So being able to segment that both in how you do your data protection, your data backups, uh, even in the different services, so you don't have single points of failure throughout the organization is a key. So if we're looking at where you store your information, don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? Be able to look at how you would distribute that so that, hey, one incident doesn't necessarily compromise the whole org in that case. Again, making that organization more resilient to attacks, that's really the goal there, making it more resilient uh, from that. So that, hey, if it does happen, we can recover from it, we can take that impact and we can move forward. Kind of similar to like, hey, you know what? If you're if you're in a, if you're in the Navy, the ship might take a hit. Well, use heavier armor or put more armament on that ship so to prevent or lessen the amount of times it might actually get hit. It's the same discussion that you need to have as far as within the organization about being resilient. It may cost a little bit more money, but the value of that means that, hey, you're not going to get hit with a $365,000 or a five to $10 million um, ransom, you know, with that, it lowers the likelihood of that. And that's the key, lowering that likelihood and being able to be vigilant about those things. So uh, what does BlackRock do when they go like to a client to help them mitigate the risk from ransomware attacks? Yeah, so mitig mitigation for the risk of ransomware attacks is first to look at um, just your internal employee awareness as an organization. It starts with that, right? The awareness of what is ransomware, where and how can it be propagated, which should be the response uh, of the organization for it, and then what technologies can help us do better at that, right? What can help us be better? In some cases, some organizations need to do technology refreshes. They may need to change some of their um, some of their stances, for instance, removable media and stuff. How do you manage and maintain? You don't have to stop the use of removable media like a USB drive, but what you can do is I want to manage 
the use of that. I want to be able to scan that USB drive before I allow it into my organization. And more importantly, when we look at emails and stuff too, uh, and what's receiving, being able to mark and flag emails automatically uh, as well for phishing campaigns and stuff, having that monitoring capability is very important uh, for organizations now because a lot of your communications have that. And then as you add things like Slack channels to your organization, teams and other collaboration tools, right? understand that these are all entry points that you can indeed receive malware through. And so again, being able to monitor that being able to put in both the um, both the manual checking as well as the automated checking for that, those are keys. And that's where we look at what are the tools and capabilities that you have and see how you kind of build yourself up in order to be able to detect that, especially if that's a high risk when we look at things like your, your heat map and that, you know, comparatively within your industry, what are typically the targets, what's the targeted information in, in your industry, identifying those and going and saying, okay, in this case, Maybe you don't need to have a network access control or a network access control solution. Maybe in this case, what we need to do is be able to scan our email prior to that coming into our organization, right? Monitoring that particular email and attachments there, right? And being able to flag things that are suspicious or from suspicious senders and stuff. So being able to um, put those types of automated capabilities in the organization is kind of a key. Other part, um, that uh, that's there. If you're an organization that's heavy on bringing in uh, IT equipment and stuff too, your supply chain is also very important for this. There are duplicates out there, right? There are duplicate parts, duplicate pieces, uh, non-authorized OEMs and stuff too that are out there that could pose a risk from that, uh, you know, from you know, from that perspective. Understanding the laws and rules around that, so that when you're bringing in different, let's say, network devices or other devices and software into your organization to be used, being able to have as part of your uh, procurement process a cybersecurity review of those sources is also another key of that because there are a lot of ways that you can get that information in. Those are some of the easiest ways uh, to pull in malware and ransomware where it's actually just sitting in the actual devices or the software that you're going to use. All right, well, that's it for the first episode of The Lojo Show. I'm going to leave you with this. If you're an organization that listened to this or an individual listened to this uh, podcast and you're wondering what are the next steps, well, first step is evaluate yourself. Evaluate your security posture and your practices. Also, for other additional information, please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. We'll have articles as well as other insights and stuff too for you to be able to follow. If you are a professional, both business and or cybersecurity professional that would, want to come on the, that would like to come on to the Lojo Show, please contact us. We'd love to have you. And for that, have a good one and stay safe and stay secure.